This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Valeria interviews Ilona Sionate, the author of Liberation Unleashed. Ilona was born in Lithuania. Always interested in the mind and how it works, she has a degree in psychology and a mindset to focus on freedom for herself and those who find her. Ilona's search for truth started in 2002 when for the first time she experienced silence of the thinking mind a sweet sense of being, peace that felt like home. In 2010, she discovered Jed McKenna's books, which were a shock to her belief system and moved her to question all that she believed about the nature of reality. Once the initial deconstruction was done, after months of painful self-inquiry, the last step was taken and the separate self was seen to be an illusion. She started writing a blog, Marked Eternal, where she shared thoughts about this newfound freedom and invited readers to look for themselves in their own experience. In September 2011, the Liberation Unleashed website and forum was launched. Liberation Unleashed is a global community of guides helping seekers to see through the illusion of a separate self, free of charge. Ilona's main focus and work is inviting seekers to question their fundamental assumptions and look at their own experience. In this way, a seeker may see what is going on for themselves and resolve their own questions, which leads to recognition of beingness. Siunate holds live and online meetings. She works with groups and privately. Liberation Unleashed book was published in 2016 by New Harbinger Publications, and it is a lively, fresh, and moving account of the author's own searching, liberation, and transformation woven together with stories of fellow seekers and a clear exposition of the simple, focused tools you can use to go through the gateless gate. With its conversational tone, provocative questions, and the presentation of the seven steps, this book serves as a manual demonstrating how to use self-inquiry at home and realize a blissful oneness. So many of us go through life feeling isolated, searching for ourselves, or seeking a more authentic reality through religion, spirituality, or other more unconventional means of expanding consciousness. Now with this book and its guiding principles, you'll learn how to look deeply into what is arising in the moment, meet the fears, mental blocks, and reservations that can arise in self-inquiry, 
and find what your heart is truly longing for. To learn more about Ilona and her work, please visit ilonaciunate.com and also liberationunleashed.com. Here is the interview with Ilona Ciunate. In your own words, who is Ilona Sunaiti? <laughs> oh, beautiful question. It's really difficult to define the beingness and put it into a few words and make it like a little package. <laughs> so what Ilona Sunaiti is, okay, we can say that she's a character living life. She is working on helping people to heal, to expand, to return to openness, to beingness, to spaciousness. And otherwise, she's just an ordinary woman living her life together with her husband for 25 years. She has traveled. She lived in England for 20 years and a little bit in Mexico, now in Lithuania. Wonderful. Thank you. So, before we talk about some of the topics in your book, Liberation Unleashed, a guide to breaking free from the illusion of a separate self, I have a few warm-up questions, as I mentioned, off record. So, my first question is an open one I mentioned before as well. It's about life. What is life to you, Ilona? Well, this experience that we are having as a human, as this character, as this body, as part of nature, just being part of this earth, witnessing the process of creation, being that process, experiencing it fully with all this spectrum of emotions and feelings and thoughts, ideas, just ever-flowing stream of happenings. So what, what I call life is that which is happening, everything. <laughs> yeah, yes, uh, it resonates. The happening, right? What do you think is the opposite of life? I think there is no opposite of life. Mm. For, <laughs> for this aliveness, this awareness, this knowingness, it's not something that comes and goes. Well, some people call it consciousness. Okay, God. There are many words to point to the same, that eternity. So this life hasn't got an opposite. Everything is life. Everything is included. And birth and death is just part of it. The same life. Beautiful answer. Yeah, I love your answer. I have another question about life. What do you think is the purpose of this birth and death, this experience of happening? Mm, it, it, <laughs> this question can be answered on so many levels. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, well, the purpose, I think, is just to experience, to learn, to grow, to expand, to return to what we are and just to go through all these interesting and wild and intense experiences, um, fail and grow. And it's just being alive. I think the purpose of life is just being alive and just tasting it fully. Knowing it fully. True. What is your understanding and idea of spiritual awakening and spiritual evolution and enlightenment? Oh, this is a rich, rich question. 
I have a unique position because I work with seekers that are looking exactly for that, for enlightenment, for awakening, for end of suffering. And this word enlightenment is very charged. It has a lot of expectations and misunderstandings. So my work as a guide is to entangling entangling all the misconceptions, misunderstandings, and just to help a seeker to end seeking by shifting attention from looking for something to looking at, looking at what is happening like in direct experience. So there is nothing to seek here. It's already here. It's already given. It's already being experienced. So this enlightenment is just a fancy word that is calling to, to come home. And once that recognition happens, once it's recognized what they really am, then one no longer needs to be seeking. It starts finding and exploring and discovering new things about what is here every day. And just it's not even hidden. It just goes unnoticed. So for me, the word enlightenment is just a, a pointer. To, to this experience and once once the experience is recognized and then that word can just be put on hold or put away it doesn't mean anything anymore because um, there is no longer a seeking to know there is discovery and knowing direct knowing of of yourself of life of what is I'm wondering why so many people of us, so many seekers, as you call it, as I call it too, why do they keep seeking even when they come across this understanding? Why do you think it's that? I think fundamental thing what we are all seeking for is happiness. It's like fundamental thing in the whole human experience in every human heart. We all want to be at ease, happy, relaxed, knowing that everything is well, that everything is taken care of, like trusting life. And that is not an everyday experience. In everyday experience, there is suffering. There is fighting with what is. There is also looking for a better experience. There is also hope for this experience to change. So there are a lot of things that are going on in normal everyday life. And we are seeking for that ease, for the pleasure and avoiding pain. And that is the, the program that we are born into. So we are all looking for that lightness of being, for the joy, for the peace, and just call it happiness, like in simple language. And I would say this is the inner peace that we are all looking for in a peace and until that is found it is calling so there is a call from within the call to come home the call to love to healing so that call is coming from inside so on the outside we are looking how to answer that call and until that call is answered it, it keeps bugging us so we keep seeking what is the next thing that will answer that and, and the answer is just to turn towards it and just seeing what is there, what is it calling to you. That's where the peace is found. It's just by your attention turned inwards and starting starting to explore the inner place. So this is where the happiness really hides, like right in the, the center of our experience, right in the heart. But to 
live from that place, we have to remove everything that is in the way of it. So this is how I see it. Yeah, that's a very clear answer that I really like. I guess the questions that come to mind is happiness, peace, and all these um, wonderful states of mind, they're just temporary and part of life as everything else, the opposites. So I'm wondering if there is, when we have reached that point of removing the obstacles to the inner peace, as I call it, that you just called, do you believe in coming to this state of being, of living, where there's no more fights and we are at ease with everything that happens? Well, yes, of course. And that is largely my experience. And I know how it used to be, so I know the difference. And before it was fight with everything. This is too much. This is not enough. I'm not enough. Everything is wrong. That needs to be fixed. And it felt like I was the manager of the universe, but the universe didn't care what I was asking it. You know, it was like uh, trying to fix something that is already perfect. Mm-hmm. And being at peace is just like dropping off that in a fight with what is and allowing, just simply allowing everything be as it is. So it, It doesn't mean that it's quiet. It doesn't mean that you are sitting on a sofa and doing nothing. It's just being at peace with whatever is arising, like being able to stay conscious and seeing that and meeting that. Now you don't experience any more negative emotions or rejections to what is and all that, those kinds of, yeah, we call it negative experiences. I wouldn't say that I don't experience any of that. But when that comes, it is very temporary. And I know it's temporary. And I have enough of focus to look at it and see it and meet it and see what is there, what is underneath it, what is behind it, so that it can self-release. So let's say there is something happening in the world and I hear the news and yes, I feel that collective fear and collective pain and collective uh, reaction, but it's not taken to be mine. I just see that as an arising. So it's something that is seen and it's here to be met. It's here to be welcomed so we can self-release. But yeah, I can get annoyed that, you know, just normal <laughs> being human. I am not a robot and I, there are still emotions and passion and all of, all of that is, is part of being human. I think it would be pretentious and, and not honest to say that, no, I don't feel any negative emotions. What I can say is that, that I don't call any emotions negative or positive anymore. So I am free. To experience it all. There's a, there's a misunderstanding, the biggest one, I guess, that there is a destination to arrive, as you mentioned before, about happiness and peace. And once we're there, we stay there forever. <laughs> so that wouldn't be life, I guess, that, that stagnation, right? The place that nothing happens, really. Although we know that what is never changes. It's amazing because the silence that has a sound, And that is a stillness that has movement. It's so paradoxical. Delicious. (laughs) Yeah, right. That's right. So that's pretty magical, isn't it, Ilona? Mm. And that sense of wonder. Yeah. Like, wow, this is 
how can this be happening? That sense of wonder is just meeting life with the fresh eyes of our innocence, without demands, without wanting it to be anything else. I call it magic. I know it's just a name, a mm. title, but yeah, it's magical. It's like, wow, this is, a, yeah, it is a sense of wonder. You're right. It's like, that feels like. And what are one of the things that I use, I'll be asking you about techniques and methods. I use um, laughter a lot, you know, comedy. I can make fun mm-hmm. of that stuff, all the negativity and the complaining. When it happens, my husband and I, we just make a, a fun of each other. <laughs> and we laugh a lot about these things. Mm. So it kind of helps, I found for myself. But I'll ask you the question. Actually, I can ask you now. What methods or what do you do when you're distracted by negativity, let's say? Well, it's just a word. but mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So what I would do is I just sit. I find that feeling. I find that energy. And I talk to it. In a way that I make a a connection to it, I make a dialogue, and I just ask it. And (laughs) this is is part of my method that I call deep looking. And a metaphor would be like this. If you are standing by a pool of water and the surface is clear, there there are no waves, it's just still water. And then you take a stone and you throw it. And then there is a splash and there are ripples coming out of it. So it's like you are standing by this, in this field of happenings and you take a question and you throw it in there and then you see what ripples come back. So that's, that's how I, I work with that energy. Whatever is showing up that needs my attention, I know immediately because I feel a contraction. So let's say I feel sad. I welcome that sadness. I say it is safe for it to be here. It is completely allowed. It doesn't need to be changed. It just wants to be met. And then I ask it and I just say, okay, sadness, what do you want? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. What do you want the most? <laughs> and then I wait, like I watch these ripples, what comes back. And it can be saying that I just want a little attention or it, it has a message for me, a deeper message, a deeper wisdom. So I make the connection to that energy. It's like, it's like a guest. <laughs> so I give enough room and I show it respect. So in that way, it can be seen, it can be heard, and it self-releases. I love that, this idea of asking questions. <laughs> mm, it's just so simple, but like you wouldn't know to do that if nobody told you. That's true. You know? Yeah, that's a wonderful method. The next one it has to do with the female body or being in a female body. What do you love the most about being a woman? I like softness. I like that it's okay to be soft. It's okay to be kind. And I know it doesn't have much to do with the body, but it's just the whole being of being a female is way much flexible, adjustable. It doesn't need to use force. It can use kindness and allowing. Well, I think this is this is the best thing about being a female. It's just that natural softness. Yes, yeah, I agree. I agree. And my next question regarding to being a female body is, what do you find to be the most challenging aspect about being a woman? I can't even know what is the most challenging. 
particularly see see I, I am not um, a mother I do not have children I never wanted children so this is a very big part of being a woman and I also have a small family I don't have many people around me so in a way I am I'm really not connected to feminine side as a mother so I don't know maybe it is challenging for me sometimes to be among women with children (laughs) I can't relate to that that's honest (laughs) because I don't have that built in and sometimes I just have a difficult time to to be around yeah children I can relate to it, Lona. Yeah, it makes sense. I like the way when you open up answering this question about nah, nothing comes to mind really as a challenge. That is, um, that's an interesting thought that's not there. <laughs> My next question is about freedom. What is to be free? What is to be liberated? I think you have been talking about this already, but I'm asking you the question. What is to be free? Free is to be able to express, to feel, to show up in the world without the inner judge. So what is not to be free is the voice in the head that is constantly talking what should be different, what I don't like. So the freedom is just to to have the mind clear of complaints, clear of judgments, comparisons, and all this stuff like that. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Having that the power to do that. <laughs> Nothing else that I can connect to power than this ability to to know and to be aware of how to act, how to respond to anything that arises, as you say. Um, so my next question is about what's happening in the world these days. At this time, what do you think is the world's greatest need and do you have a vision for a new reality well the world's greatest need is to turn individually to their own selves just individually to start looking in their own hearts in our own hearts in our own reality and making ourselves comfortable here and finding that inner peace that is always here but it's hiding And it cannot be done like in a demonstration of mass of people. It's like inner sacred and secret job that we all have to do for this place to become a lighter, more happy, peaceful place. So it's it's an inner job, an inner revolution. And my vision for the world is that more and more people can find that peace inside and then just the outside world starts reflecting that in everyone's lives. Yes, yes, yes. A thousand times (laughs) going within, yeah, and finding out the truth um, about ourselves and and ultimately what life is all about. And this situation, like this this year, is all about uh, rising up all these hidden, deep, dark fears. And so many people had nightmares, like living nightmares in this situation. So all these hidden issues, they're just coming up to be seen, to be acknowledged, and to be self, <laughs> and to self-release, really. That's, that's, I keep saying that self-release, but that's how it is. We cannot do anything to release them. 
you can just witness there and nothing anticipating once they get our conscious attention. Yeah. What is love to you? Oh, the love is the core of our beingness. It's it's now a natural state. It's something that we are made of. We just don't know that. Deep in the heart, there is a source of where all the love is coming from. And that's our right. That's our beingness. It's where we all coming back to you. And that's where the calling is coming from. It's just that love wants to be brought into consciousness, brought into everyday life. So I don't see love as just like a human relationship. I see that as relationship with the whole life. And do you, when you think about love, do you connect to feelings and emotions or not really? Well, feelings and emotions are temporary happenings and Some of them can feel like love, excitement. But what they call love is not a passing by emotion. It's like a a signal, a transmission, an energy that is just coming out of the chest. It's it's free, it's unconditional, and it doesn't judge, doesn't take sides. So that's what they call love. It's just loving life itself. Do you connect love to thoughts? Are there any thoughts or just energy? I don't really understand your question. <laughs> mm, yeah, I guess I have to um, talk about my own experience with these um, going to states of being, whatever we call it, in contact with the awareness or consciousness. There's no thoughts there. Very much it's an attention that's broad and it's a lot of space and Everything's just in front of me. There's a lot of sensations in the body and all, but no thoughts at all. So there was not the idea of love. We have, you know, this warm feeling in the heart, this energy flowing of that dissipates. It's not there anymore, that feeling. It seems like it's a human thing. I think the other word for love, see, I see that many words are pointing to the same in experience. So and we get confused because we have so many words pointing to the same. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if I say that the core of beingness, the core of beingness that is felt sense of here I am, I am here, I am present, and that that joy of beingness and love, they are kind of pointing to the same. It's just a fundamental, natural, completely free of thoughts mm-hmm. state. Yeah. And that's true, Ilona. That's so true. When we are free from judgment and these personal perceptions of what life is, concepts, ideas, and all that, then that's when we, um, I feel happy. And so that joy arises and this, yeah, warm feeling. Yeah, it's a kind of an excitement for the whole thing. It's an excitement that's at the same time calm and at ease. Thank you for your presence. It it evokes that. The last question, warm-up question about God. Do you ever use the word God? Yes, I do. I do use the word God, and and I just say there are so many words that point to the same, and God is one of them. How do you use it? Do you, you, instead of saying love, you say God, or source, or creation? Okay, well, it depends who I am. I, who am I? Mm, right. Who 
who I am talking to you and what is their um, conceptual understanding. So in my own experience, I had that amazing experience of literally meeting that God, if you want, or creative process in its raw shape. So I recognize that as just a complete peace and love. There was nothing else. There was no joy. There was nothing else. It was just peace, immense, immense peace, vast, vast love, like you could never even imagine. So having tasted that, what I call God is that creative process that we are all that. We are all the children of that creative process. We are that process. So I wouldn't say I am God. (laughs) (laughs) But but what is underneath all these concepts, all these thoughts, what comes up and shows up as all these experiences, as all these happenings is that one energy, that which is at the core of each of us. Yeah, and everywhere too, right, Lona? Everywhere. How did you become a writer? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, many years ago, I, I kind of had an idea at some point, I'm going to write a book. I didn't have a clue what it's going to be, <laughs> what about. But just some, somehow deep inside, I knew that I, I will write a book. And then in 2010, I had this experience of recognition, what this is, what I am. And from that, the book just happened. I didn't even know that I was in the process of writing it. I was just writing, writing, and then all the pieces fell together. So I can't even say that I wrote the book. I can say that the book happened. (laughs) (laughs) I was just an instrument for that, a condition for that to happen. I have a lot of topics here that I'm interested in discussing with you. But the main one is the separate self. Talk to me about the separate self. Mm, Okay. Well, by default, we come here. We are brought up by our parents. And we learn from them. And we learn about the world and what we are. And we are given a name. And then we are told that, you know, okay, I am Ilona. <laughs> I have to take care of my own life. I have to be the best or not. <laughs> and I feel separate from others. I don't see them as extension of me. I see that they are outside of me. And I think that I am in the body, that this body is mine, that I am in control of it, and that I can do just anything I want with it. And independently, I have, I can make decisions decisions independently of what is happening. I have free will and choice. And that would be the idea of a separate self, that there is something separate from the whole, from the whole life happening that has a, a free will and choice that doesn't depend on circumstances and conditions. So, and that's why we suffer because we misidentify ourselves with something that is mind created, the separate person, separate self. And until that question is really answered, then we keep looking how to fix that self, how to make it better, how to improve it, how to help it 
how to make it feel more comfortable. And yes, you can call it ego. And a simpler word is I or me. Right. That's true. <laughs> so true. <laughs> Much simpler. Yes. And then it, we say like, I, I have an ego. And it seems like there are two things here. It's me and my ego. And who's in charge? Okay. Okay. <laughs> right. So, so because of that sense of separateness from life itself, from the source itself, from God, if you like, then we are on the mission to find home, to find happiness, to find that ease that we know it's there. It's just it's not reachable while being in that state, in that mindset of feeling separate, believing that I am separate. I want to ask you this question. So after realizing that, what are some of the chains that we can see clearly in our lives after this understanding that there's no separate self? Oh, there are so many changes and they are so deep. Like, well, of course, once you see that what is as it is, it doesn't change what what is happening. Like all these patterns, all this conditioning that was programmed into us from childhood that that doesn't disappear the character stays the same nothing changes Uh, but that character is no longer assumed to be me so what that gives is a freedom for 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 this character to be as it is and it's like really not so much care about it anymore it's seen as a as an image like the mind's created image it's not me so with that, there is freedom for others to be themselves too, because they are not separate selves that are running their own little show. They are this life, the whole life showing up as them. So then what happens, I can see both. I can see the form, I can see the person, I can see the character, and I can know deep inside that it's the same aliveness, that this the same energy. The same that shows up as, as this body-mind shows up as that body-mind. It's no separation. So the connection goes through the heart. It's not through the mind. Because usually we connect to people through sharing stories, feeling feelings, showing compassion, showing support, sharing pain. So this is one way to connect. But there is a deeper way to connect this through the heart, where I know that this heart and your heart is the same, same aliveness, same heart. So that that way there is um, a connection underneath all words, underneath all ideas of right and wrong and judgments and stuff. And we can resonate and we can feel each other in that way. Yeah, that's when magic happens. (laughs) I love what you say in your book. You say, there is a silence of mind that is much more delightful than fighting what is. Ah, that's so true. That's so true, yes. And the mind doesn't know that. Mm. The mind doesn't know that until it's shown. Yeah. I talk to my husband and I say that the mind's like a dog that we need to train. It's a powerful guard dog. It's a powerful tool, right? It cannot be confused with who we are. 
That's right. He likes that idea. So it seems like men understand that better when I say it's a dog. So take care of your dog <laughs> when it's unleashed. <laughs> Out of the leash. Good dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the mind definitely needs training, just like uh, animals do. It is really interesting for me because I went and studied psychology because I wanted to understand what this mind is, mm -hmm. how it operates. Uh, well, I didn't learn much from the books, but I learned a lot from my work, uh, just exploring and experimenting. And when you start talking to the mind and asking it questions and it starts answering, sounds weird, I know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, you know, you talk to your neighbors and mm -hmm. to your partner in your head all the time when multiple <laughs> discussions going on. So why not to talk to, to the mind? And what the mind wants is really peace. That's what it wants is just to be at rest because it's taken so many jobs on its shoulders, thinking that it's job to be a guard, that it's job to manage the future, that it's job is to solve the problems, but first it has to create all the problems to solve them. So when, when, it, when you're able to show the mind that it is not its job, then it happily retires. Mm, right. I like that. I love that idea. That also brings a question to mind about what is the mind? Do you see the mind as an entity? Mm, I don't see the mind as an entity. I see it as a, an energy. Like, um, well, there is so much about the mind that we can talk about. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> okay. But it's energetic process. It's a creation. It's... It includes all the intuition and imagination. It's just such a rich thing. You can't really put the mind in one word and say, okay, mm -hmm. this is mind. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. 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 It's such a beautiful equipment. Yeah, but I wouldn't say it's an entity. Okay. So you do see it as a tool. Okay. It is, it is here to be helpful. It is here to be aware. It is here to serve. Sometimes it goes on a throne and imagines it's the king and, you know, you have to behave. Otherwise, it's going to punish. But, but the mind is not a king. It's, it's here to serve. It's here to be helpful. And it likes to be helpful. That's interesting. When you talk like this, almost it sounds like an entity that is at service of the human being, the human structure. But it's uh, not really, right, Ilona? It's not an uh, entity. Okay. No, it's not. You see, we have eyes for visual perception. We have ears for audible perception. We have skin for the touch. We have mind for ideas. So it's also like a perception channel that wraps everything, the raw experience, into these little packages of concepts. So it, it's an automatic process. Oh, it's automatic, right. Yes, what the eyes, when the eyes are open, the color is here. We don't need to do anything. When we wake up in the morning, the mind is here. We don't need to do anything. The thoughts just keep coming. True. That makes sense when you say it's here to serve. So it makes a lot of sense. It's just there. And from there, creation now, it's possible. So that's why it's also considered this very creative tool. In your book, you say something, another thing that I found to be interesting I discovered that all 
the beliefs I had were nice stories that seemed true. What are beliefs to you? How do you separate beliefs from values or from ideas and imagination? Okay, what I see that beliefs are is like a core organizing principle of our experience. I mean, we perceive the raw data through the perception channels, and then everything goes through what I believe, what I know, what I learned, and then suddenly I know what life is, I know what I am, I know what everything is and how it should be. So these ideas about what life is and how it should be are beliefs, right? And when something is happening, there's always judgment. Does it fit my belief or it doesn't? If it doesn't, it's like just discarded as, you know, it's not true. <laughs> if it fits my belief, I it just strength, strengthens it. Like, you know, these fake news, for example, right now it's such a big thing. Fake news. So if I read some piece of information and it sounds believable to me, it just reinforces my belief system. And if it doesn't sound believable to me, it's just discarded. So that that the belief system is what organizes how I see the life, how I see others, how I see myself. It's very important to really know what I am really believing about this. Otherwise, it's unconscious. And I just behave and react according to these beliefs. True. So is it possible to live, to navigate this reality without beliefs? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the mind creates it automatically, right? <laughs> Tons of them. Yes, yes. Mm, yeah. I don't know. Well, there are beliefs that are just like everyday stuff and it's okay. <laughs> but when I have to argue about them or try to prove something, how it is then, then it's really not okay. Because I don't know. I know exactly as much as everyone else. Nothing. <laughs> I just think I know and I I can be defensive. I can be aggressive with my opinion. But that opinion is just something I learned or heard or like just passing on like mine. Another thing you said in your book, you said, trust that what you need is already here. That's a wonderful, liberating um, statement. And that makes the mind think about trust who, trust what. Okay, we can use the same words again. Trust life, trust aliveness, trust this cosmic intelligence, trust God, trust that this knows what it is doing, trust that I am not a part of it. (laughs) I am that, I am that showing up as this form. So the mind is able to understand these things. I thought the mind could not really get a hold of the idea of the source of God. But in a way, you're saying that the mind can understand what this is, what God is. Yes, there are very huge limitations with language. So even if the mind sees that and gets stunned, it's like no language to put it. There's no language to explain it. And yes, we can talk about it. Mm. We can talk about our experiences. We can share our ideas. But it's all on conceptual level. The real experience of God or love is beyond mine. That is fascinating how 
powerful the mind is in that sense too, because it can embrace the unknown even. And it can surrender to not knowing. Right. It can surrender to it, right? Yeah, that's uh, that's how powerful it is, that tool. Uh, this tool. <laughs> it's here right now in action. Two more questions I want to ask you. One is about distractions that I mentioned earlier, and then the difference between thinking and looking, because this is part of your method. So the uh, LU approach, and you have the seven steps too, but you specifically talk about going deeper, so looking. Uh, what's the word you use? I need your help you. Okay, so uh, there is a, a clear distinction between thinking and looking, like... For example, <laughs> Valeria, what color are your socks <laughs> today? Oh, now none barefoot. Okay, so you can answer this question in two ways. You can think about it, you can remember. Let's say you have socks. <laughs> yeah. Like, mm, what did they put in the morning? What was left? <laughs> what mm -hmm. did they have? Right, and you can answer that from thinking, from memory, from an image that arises once the question comes up, or you can just look down, see the color, tell me what you see. See, this is the difference between thinking and looking. The thinking is going through the mental processes and looking is direct. It's just like, what is there? Uh, I see. I can, if I can see it, I can describe it. Oh yeah. If I can see, I can describe it. Right. So true. I guess what gets in the way a lot of times then even by looking, sometimes beliefs will get in the way and that will, will distort even of what we see. And that's a powerful thing, especially for those who have been through traumas. They, the mind tends to repeat itself, patterns. And then now we are seeing everything as a trigger for the trauma. So that is, what would you say to that? Do you work with people with um, trauma, past traumas? Yes, I do. I do. Because in this process, in this process, coming back to peace, coming back to natural state, to your authentic you, well, everything that is in the way of that peace has to be met, be met with the awareness, be met with respect. So if there is trauma, it will come up. It most definitely comes up to be healed. And the healing happens when there is compassion, when there is love, when there is meeting that that pain in a safe way. It's not like you have to go back and remember every detail of the horrible stuff that happened. Right? But it's it's knowing of that energy here and just working not with the story so much, but with the feeling itself, with the energy, because it's stored in the body, in the cells. And it's there until it can leave, can heal. And I'm said it can leave as if the goal of of healing is for for the negative energy to leave, but it's not. It's actually the opposite. It's like recollecting the parts of light that were were separated and just bringing them back home. Oh wow. So what, what leaves is the noise, what leaves is the uh, turbulence that just goes away. And what is left is that pure, innocent love, love for yourself, love for everyone involved in a traumatic situation. So once that meeting can happen in a safe and supported environment, 
then the, the part that was separated can come back. Before I ask you my final questions, talk to me for a moment. You have been talking about the sessions, how you do it, but you call deep looking sessions. Talk to me a bit more about that. Okay, so what I offer as my service is these deep looking sessions. And in those sessions, I meet the client where, where he or she is in that moment. And then we start looking at what is arising. So sometimes people come with their own uh, questions that, or issues or trauma or something in mind. And other times, once all, or once all it, it is cleared, then we can just sit and wait for what is arising. And it's always a surprise because when there is this open space that allows everything to come up, then stuff that was hidden, that was neglected or denied, has a space to come up. And when it comes up, when once that energy comes up, you know, you feel like a contraction in your head, on your heart, in your belly, or just in the shoulders, you can feel it. So then we look at that energy, as at that happening, and we make a contact with it. And then I ask questions, and my client would repeat the question quietly or aloud. And then just, as I said, when you drop a pebble and wait for the ripples, it just witnesses what comes up and tells me that. So I, in that way, I am talking to that energy through the person. And the person can see what is happening in his own system. So by seeing that, he can recognize what is working, what is no longer working. And it's just like doing inventory and checking, you know, like cleaning the house. Is this still needed? Is this still helping? Maybe it's no longer needed. And and people get insights, like real insights in what is going on in their, in their own experience. And by seeing that pattern, it can collapse. Let's see if there is some energy here that is protecting something. And, and normally mind works like that. It protects the heart from being hurt. And it creates all these protections for the heart. But the heart itself, if you look at it, 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 it wants to be free. It just wants to love. You know, it is painful. It's not painful. It's, it's bigger than that. It just wants to love. But the mind, because it knows how it feels when the heart hurts, it creates all these protections. So the heart may feel a little bit numb or like some people don't feel it at all. Or it can feel painful, small, contracted. So by, by showing the mind that what it is doing with all these protections, it's not really helping, then the mind doesn't want to do that anymore. It just, it, it just sees it and stops. So the process of deep looking is really looking at what is here. And what is here arises by itself. Then it can be met with kindness, with allowing, and then magic happens. Mm, magic, <laughs> right. <laughs> I love your method, though, and I love the, what you call it, too, the deep looking. Yeah, that's very inspiring, two words put together. <laughs> yeah, because that's what it takes. It's looking deeper, for sure. Mm. And you mentioned distraction before, and I mm, think this is yeah. a good place to say about it, because distraction, it comes up and it says, okay, this is too intense. I don't want to look at this now. Let's do something else. It's more important than 
deep looking at what is here. It's uncomfortable. So, so that distraction is taking the attention away from what is important. And it keeps doing that because that what is important may be painful. It may be hurting. So it takes a lot of focus to bring that attention home, to, to keep it on the painful. And that, that's where, where it's good to work with somebody because that somebody will help you to hold that attention long enough that you can see what needs to be seen. Because, see, I tried this deep looking on myself when I just started to experiment with it, and mm. it was great. Yeah, I could, I could really go into this deep piece over like a couple of weeks. But I could notice that as soon as I go into some kind of issue that is deeper, I get distracted. Yeah, yeah <laughs> true. So, true. So it takes patience to bring that attention back. And another thing that helps is writing. If you are writing questions, like asking questions and you write it down, then the mind needs to focus more to bring that answer back on the paper. We are easily distracted. So bringing the attention back to the moment, what's happening and not trying to run, escape from the painful memories or whatever it is, then it's a way to resolve that and to release that. I like that word too. Or understand, right, as you put it a lot. Do you believe in unconditional self-love? Of course, yes. And it's not a belief. <laughs> it's, the, it's the knowing. It's the knowing. It's the freedom to be me, <laughs> as I am. Right, beautifully said. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything differently? Probably. <laughs> but I would need to wait for that situation where I find out that I have like a month to live. Then, then it would happen. And now I can only just imagine. And I don't know, really. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for your honesty. <laughs> yeah, that's a great answer too, because it's easy to imagine, I guess. But this is not the real experience. Yeah. <laughs> just when that comes. What are three things about life you know for sure? in this moment. I know that there is joy here and connection with you. And I know that I am here and that there is this peace and openness and spaciousness right here right now. Thank you so much for your presence and your wisdom and for your love and your peace. Thank you for sharing that with all of us, me now and people who will listen to it. Thank you, Ilona. Well, thank you so much for inviting me here. It's such a pleasure to connect with you. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Aha. Okay, I have a website. It's just my name. It's ilonatsonaite.com. And I also have a brand new, fresh <laughs> uh, YouTube channel where I just started putting out uh, videos and I, I just made a series called Finding Inner Peace in Your Own Sense of Being, where I invite the viewer to examine and explore their own experience. And just, I hope that this will help more people to, to find that peace within. And you can also find me on Liberation Unleashed website 
It's also just liberationatlinch.com. I am still active on the forum. It's been about 10 years, nine years. Yeah, you can find me there or you can email me. I will answer. Thank you so much again. We'll talk soon. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Bye for now. <laughs> Bye, Valeria. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Ilona Siunate and her work, please visit ilonasiunate.com and also liberationunleashed.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Bigrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now.